The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the game changers, you are in the right place. I always say it, I always mean it, and it's always true. So what's the buzz on the street today? Well, I have a quote from Jesse Davis at RingDNA, R-I-N-G-D-N-A.com. And the title of his article was The 20 Best B2B Sales Blogs. This dates back to April 2015. Here's the quote. We doubt anyone ever chose to be a B2B sales rep because it seemed easy. Let me just let that sink in for a second. So if you're reluctant, your company is reluctant to embrace social selling, that's what we're talking about, without assurance that will help you build meaningful B2B relationships that impact or even become home runs in the buyer's journey, you're not alone. It's not easy. We are seeing a growing trend that is pigeonholing social selling into the demand gen part of the sales cycle. But it could be viable in other stages. What does this all mean to your company? Are you standing on the sidelines? Are you contemplating? contemplating social selling? Are you watching your competitors embrace it, run with it, win with it, and make all of the great statistics about how social is actually getting sales closed faster and better and leading to long, loyal relationships? This is the world of B2B. Don't forget, it's not easy. So we have a panel of three experts today from all over the world, and they're going to help us figure this out. Let me tell you who they are quickly, and then we will start with our opening quotes. First up, in a moment, I'll be welcoming Morgan Jones, Jen General Manager at Televerde Europe. Joining him on the panel will be Jonathan Russell, Vice President for Collaboration and Communities at SAP. And rounding out the panel, of course, the sponsor of this show. We love hearing her on all of these shows in this series. It's Kirsten Boylow, Head of SAP Social Selling Training and Enablement. So let's circle around to Morgan Jones. And he sent me a quote from William Paley. If you're wondering who William Paley is, I think I have the right one. He was an English clergyman who lived from 1743 to 1805 a Christian apologist, philosopher, and utilitarian. And let's see if I can find... He strenuously supported the abolition of the slave slave trade, and his book in 1785 was The Principles of Moral and Political Philosophy. Here is the quote. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Wow, what a quote. Morgan Jones, welcome to Social Selling. How are you? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thank you. I love Never the done. quote. It just goes so perfectly with my opening. Talk to me. How did you pick it? How did you find it? You know, it's, it's, uh, it's something that's very near and dear to me. And, um, uh, you know, I actually, um, uh, it, it tells me every day that uh, I need to approach the world with an open mind. And if I, ha- if, I, if I think I know the answer to something, um, I'm probably defeated before I started. So 
you know, life is a, 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 a you know, is a learning experience all the way through from beginning to end, and, and I want to keep that fresh in mind every day. Absolutely. Let me ask you a question, Morgan, if I may. This mm-hmm. idea that the principle is contempt prior to investigation. I spoke in my opening about companies sitting on the sidelines. I didn't even say dipping one toe in the water and say, well, how's the pool of social selling? Is it cool? Is it hot? Is it inviting? So contempt. Let, let's just expand this for a moment before we bring on Jonathan Russell. Where do you see or do you see contempt from companies that aren't quite sure whether it's going to work for B2B? You know, I think people that are stuck in their old ways and old ideas, right? So we always did it this way, you know, whether it be via the telephone or face-to-face or billboards or whatever type of marketing and sales that uh, that was successful for them in the past. There was a, a great book or a great quote that what got you here isn't going to get you there. And so mm-hmm. when people have a predisposed uh, idea that social selling is not for them, it's Facebook, it's Instagram, it's that Snapchat thing or whatever my kids do, um, you know, they're, they're, they're missing out on just a, an amazing experience and something that's going to help them grow their business. You said all, excuse me, you said all the buzzwords, all the right things in there. Amazing experience and grow the business. Morgan, welcome to the show. Very pleased to meet you. And now let's turn to Jonathan Russell. He's a VP for Collaboration and Communities at SAP. Jonathan has sent us a quote from one of our favorites, Henry Ford, the American industrialist, founder of the Ford Motor Company, and sponsor. Now listen to that, everybody. The sponsor of the development of the assembly line technique of mass production. I don't know if everybody knows, but Henry Ford did not invent the automobile. He did not invent the assembly line, but he developed and manufactured the first automobile that many middle-class Americans could afford. Very interesting. Little background there. Here's the quote Jonathan has selected, and you all know it, and I think it fits perfectly. If I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said, faster horses. Mr. Russell, welcome to Game Changers Radio. How are you? Very good, Bonnie. Very good. Thank you for joining us. Talk to me about this quote. How does it apply to our topic today? I think, I mean, it really applies to me from a sales perspective. And I think one of the books, again, that really touched my heart is around the challenger sale. I think this quote really brings it to life. It's coming to a sale with an opinion and actually looking to do things differently to challenge the norm. I think you mentioned at the beginning, you know, B2B sales is difficult and a lot of B2B sales people aren't recognized for what they bring to the party. And I think it is all around that. If you just come with the norm, you're not going to really engage. You're not going to build that level of trust. If you can come with a differentiating, challenging sort of point of view, again, that's how you're going to engage with your customers and actually look to change that sales opportunity for you. Thank you very much. Um, let's let's pull this apart a little bit. Faster horses. If you went to a company that doesn't want to do social selling, that maybe tried it with one or two people, and they said, "Eh, it's a lot of work. I'm spending a lot of time. Can't wait to hear what Kirsten has to say about this in a minute. Spending too much time on LinkedIn, Facebook. Ah, who needs it? It's for the kids." And they said, "Just give me a faster sales process. Give me a better playbook. Give me give me something better. Give me a speed dial. Give me a chatbot that sounds just like me." Is is that what they would say if they, they were still resisting this urge or the surge to join the social selling world, Jonathan? I think it's, it leads on to very much from the point Morgan made. It's around people repeating the old processes and saying, well, we always used the cold call. That was successful for us. Let's just cold call better. And it's a case of saying, guys, yes. the world has moved on. 
and you need to change and the way we need to interact has changed. I've had it where people have said, we love cold calling. I said, yep, you guys cold call for mobile phones now? I go, yeah, of course we do. It's case of saying, well, you wouldn't have thought the mobile phone was going to take off 10, 15 years ago. Now everyone doesn't leave home without one. So again, there's always going to be change and you've got to move with the times. There you go. Change and move with the times. I think those are two very big motivating factors. And now let's bring on the lady I've been alluding to, Kirsten Boyleau. This is her series. Kirsten's back for, goodness, I think this is season three, Kirsten. We're so happy that you keep renewing your series. And Kirsten has sent us a quote from somebody who has been a guest on the show. Brian Kramer, B-R-Y-A-N, if you're looking for him, Kramer with a K. And Brian is a renowned social business strategist. He's a global keynote speaker and a best-selling author. And he has more than 350,000 social, not not the 500 we usually do. You have more than 500? 350,000 social fans and followers and what he calls an intimate understanding of the intricacies and interworking of both social technologies and social behaviors. His first book, There Is No B2B or B2C, it's human to human. Hashtag H2H rose to the number one top selling spot in business books on Amazon in its first week. His second book, Shareology, How Sharing is Powering the Human Economy, is, let's see, it made the USA Today's top 150 book list the week of its release. So here is the quote. I just gave the quote, Kirsten. It's the title of his book. <laughs> there is no more B2B or B2C. It's H2H, human to human. Kirsten, what a brilliant quote. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Bonnie. This is actually episode 25. I thought that was a pretty good milestone to be celebrating today. Certainly is. We'll have to raise a glass of something. You know, all I've got is water, but you'll have to do something (laughs) more celebratory. So talk to me about this quote. Well, I really, you know, it just fits in so well with the idea of relationships. And I think it was um, Jonathan Becker at SAP who said, you know, people don't buy from buildings. They don't buy from glass buildings. They buy from people they trust. And and you can't build a trust relationship with someone unless you really actually have a relationship with them. Um, and so that's why I really feel that it just really emphasized that human-to-human connection that you need to have with people that trust relationship, to build that relationship with someone who then feels comfortable that they will buy something from you, that they trust that you can, you're going to steer them in the right direction, that you are not going to try and sell them something that they don't need, and that you're, you have their best interest in mind. Um, it really comes down to that trust relationship, and trust relationships don't happen in a vacuum. They don't happen between a building and, and a buyer. They happen between humans. Between humans, that's it. And and do you think we will ever adopt H to H, Kirsten? Do you think people will say, yeah, my company's ready to do some social selling training and we want to get in the H to H generation of selling because that's how it's going to happen. Do you think anybody will say that or is that a, a long time coming? You know, I'm, I, I hear rumblings of that um, from the social selling um, speakers, gurus, experts. Um, and then on the other side, I hear... Social selling is never going to take off, and 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 cold calling is the way to go. And so you just never know what's going to happen. Who's going to come out stronger? 
Well, you know what? I think we're trying to make the impact and make the point here in your series. You today with Morgan Jones and Jonathan Russell trying to say it is here. I think uh, Jonathan just said it's here. It's it's catching on. It's important. It's going to be the way companies succeed. So get on the bandwagon, kids, or don't get left behind. So let's see. Now let's turn around back to the other side of the table. Thank you, Kirsten. Morgan Jones, I'm going to ask you a couple of very personal questions. You can answer if you, of course you will. <laughs> First, I'm going to ask where you're calling from. Or where are we calling you today? I don't need the Google Google Map version of the coordinates of your office. We want to know just in general what part of the world. And what are you drinking, if it's interesting? If it's not, what would you rather be drinking right now? Morgan Jones at Televerde. Yeah, Yes, I'm uh, calling from beautiful downtown Glasgow, Scotland. Uh, so uh, without the accent, without the Glaswegian accent. but uh, I noticed. I noticed. No accent. Uh, where is it? No. It uh, I, well, I left it in Philly when I left uh, a year ago, so uh, I'm, I'm 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 trying I'm trying to adapt, but uh, but still having a little trouble. But uh, you know, and being in being in Scotland, I, I, I guess I should be uh, drinking a wee dram of uh, a single malt, but uh, unfortunately, uh, it's a little still too early in the day, so I'm sitting here drinking a uh, a nice uh, warm cup of Earl Grey. Oh, I like that. Do you put anything in the Earl Grey? I'm not just no, no. It's just straight, nice and nice and strong, and uh, nice and warm. I have to ask you, Morgan. We had a, a British guest on one of our shows several years ago, who basically read us the Riot Act on the exact thinness of the china in the bone china cup he was drinking his tea in, the exact, I mean the exact temperature of the water and exactly how long the tea had to steep in the water before it was perf- a perfect cup of English tea. So are you that exacting or is it just, ah, put the tea cup in, put a little hot water, dunk the tea bag, delicious. What, what, what school are you in on the tea wagon? I, I am. I, I, I lean toward the uh, lean toward the snobby side. So uh, I'm <laughs> studying up on the proper way to uh, to drink a proper uh, English tea, and uh, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'll see if I can dig up that. We've done about a thousand shows. I doubt if I can find that one, but <laughs> if I can, I'll let you know what his prescription was or what his recipe was. I think he was taught by his mom, his his mom who told him the exact way. You know, I've also had Brits call uh, Americans' use of tea bags dusty tea. I'm just going to let that sit on the table. They, you Americans, you like dusty tea? It's in a bag. How could it be any good? We will just go. So we have a tea snob. Morgan Jones, pleasure to speak with you. Jonathan Russell, where art thou right now and what are you drinking or what would you rather be drinking? Well, I'm in uh, central London. Um, I am literally by the London Monument, uh, which was by, which was uh, marked the Great Fire of London. And so I'm right in the heart of the city. Um, I just slightly bad, obviously being the, the only uh, English person on the line. I don't drink tea, um, which <laughs> I'm very guilty about now, uh, whether it's Earl Grey or Builders. Um, so for me, and again, whilst the sun is over the yard arm, I suppose I would definitely prefer to be drinking would be would be a lime daiquiri for me. Oh, a lime daiquiri. You have a special kind of uh, whatever the, the juice is that goes in that daiquiri. Any special brand you like to drink? No, pretty 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 flexible. Um, it all it all came to me from being sort of out in the Caribbean and um, a sort of a passion for sailing, and it was one of the. The first things that uh, touched my lips, uh, along with a fair bit of rum, when we'd made it across the Atlantic from sailing across. So uh, that's why it's always been a, a special thing for me and always uh, close to my heart. 
<clears throat> Sounds delicious. Kirsten, you're in, where are you in Canada today? In Waterloo, tell us. I am in Waterloo in Canada, about an hour west of Toronto, and it's kind of gray and yucky here, but the, uh, the temperature is not too bad. It's above zero, so that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> are you talking ce- Celsius or? Celsius. Uh, yes, Celsius. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we still don't do the, so you're in the, what, the 32 range or what we would call freezing uh, a little bit above? No, I think it's like in the low 40s. Oh, I'm showing my ignorance. Sorry about that. Yes, and it's it's. Uh, we, by the way, we've had almost summer weather here in New York the past few days. It was over 60, record breaking over the weekend. It's very confusing because it's still February. But what are you drinking today, Kirsten? I have a chai tea latte that I made in the office here. It's. Uh, I just love the the cardamom and the spices. It's really really good, and a glass of water. Sounds delicious. Very, very good. And I am drinking, Kirsten knows this, they don't let me have caffeinated beverages on radio show days and Tuesday is a double header. We have this show right now and at 12 noon Eastern, I'll be back just an hour later with Smart Cities Social, let's see, Smart Cities with Game Changers. They're changing the game with Smart Cities, another very exciting series uh, sponsored by Marlon Zalkowitz at SAP. We got to get you together with her, Kirsten. Maybe we can find out social selling for Smart Cities. That would be an interesting yeah. Uh, co-topic there. So anyway, just cool, clear water for me in a cool, clear glass. I have a yellow straw because I'm hoping for uh, turning lemons into lemonade and making it the sun even sunnier today. That's as poetic as I'm going to get. We're speaking today with Morgan Jones at Televerde, Jonathan Russell at SAP, Kirsten Boyleau at SAP. Our topic today is the B2B buyer's journey. We might have to turn that to B2B, H2H, human-to-human, buyer's journey, and social media relationships. How effective can social selling be for your company? How long is the ramp-up? How much training? How much enablement? How much coaching before your B2B people can actually do it well and not just establish a good, loyal, long-lasting relationship, but get that that prospect to turn into a customer do the conversion, and keep them coming back for more. Isn't that the goal of everything we're talking about? You bet it is. So we're going to take a quick break. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be right back. Just about 90 seconds. Kevin, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Social media is taking sales organizations by storm. And only those who adapt quickly into the new digital world will be around in the future. Social selling is a concept that has implications to all lines of business. From building the fundamentals in the sales process and getting the content marketing mix right, to building cross-functional teams and ultimately changing the way buyers and sellers engage in a digital world. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how social selling is changing the world of business. Changing the Game with Social Selling is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game with Social Selling. 
Indeed, here we are changing the game, social selling, and that's what we're trying to help you, our listeners around the world, do. Change your game, change it up, do better, make better long-lasting relationships. But social selling, is it just a myth or is it reality that you can build long-lasting and solid, trustworthy, loyal business relationships? We're kicking off this part of the show, the roundtable, with Morgan Jones from Televerde Europe. And Morgan sent me the following in his notes, and he's going to expand it. We're talking about building relationships. He says, like building relationships anywhere, we are attracted to each other first by common, broadly defined interest. The relationship then builds as trust is gained by each party. Morgan, please tell us more. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, since the uh, beginning of, uh, of human time, right, we, we've gathered around the campfire and we've you know, entertained each other with stories of places we've been or things we've done or, or, but the, the important thing is we've always connected, right? And so, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it's, it's, uh, from, from the standpoint of, of how we, you know, enter into a social media relationship, right? We may have a particular interest in a group and on, on LinkedIn, there might be a, you know, a social selling group or a B2B demand gen group. And we, we were interested in that. And then we start to see some of the people in there who are like-minded and we build that relationship over time as we become more and more acquainted with each other's ideas. And uh, for me, I, I know I, I, I love to interact with people. We start to develop that trust. And then I love to talk to people who have a completely different point of view than me possibly, right? So they're, they're always challenging my preconceptions and asking me to consider different sides of the, of the coin. And, and it's, you know, whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook or any of the social media platforms, you know, you, you have such a diversity of thought and people that what a great place to go out and, and, and just expand your mind. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Uh, are we talking about singing Kumbaya around the campfire here, learning <laughs> learning the same songs and smiling and toasting marshmallows? It's, it, is that the, really at the core of building relationships, Morgan, that, that simplicity of, yeah, we like to do something in common or we have the same point of view or we can stand having a cup of tea together? How basic is that human need? You know, I think you watch little kids play, and they just they just play, right? And yes. and and uh, you know, as we grow older and we learn things, we turn we tend to forget that, right? And we tend to build up fences and walls. Whereas in social media, it is a, a flat platform. Everybody is the same. Everybody has the same access. Everybody has the same amount of space. Everybody has a, a right to speak their mind. And I, I think I think it is that simple. Yeah. Okay, let's keep it simple then. Let's add to our conversation. Jonathan Russell at SAP, what do you think, Jonathan? I agree. It's all around building that sort of trust and relationship. I think Campfire is obviously a great place for that. I think one of the things I've seen experience in the teams I've ran and worked with, in this B2B selling world, you've also got to bring content to the party. You've got to have mm-hmm. an opinion and you've got to have that backed up with research and fact as well. I think that's how you know, that relationship can grow. You're actually bringing something to the party. And as I've always said, you know, content is king. You know, and you know, regardless of the medium, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, the telephone, a written letter, anything, it's all about having that content that's going to make a difference to an individual. Thank you very much. Kirsten, talk to me. What do you think? Campfires? I just, want, I, I just wanted to follow on to Jonathan's comment about content 
and how our content is king. I think one of the things that we tend to forget, though, is that, yes, we have a message that we want to send out, but that message has to be in line with the person that we're trying to connect to and what they want to talk about or what they're interested in learning about. That, that's where that human-to-human connection comes in and, and making sure that what, what we have to say is in line with what they want to talk about or what they're interested in learning about. <clears throat> Uh, as well as I wanted to, to bring it fully back to, you know, Morgan and, and what he's talking about in terms of that intense need for relationship and how, as a salesperson, um, they tend to be wired that way even more than, mm-hmm. than the, the general human population, to my mind, and it's just my opinion. <laughs> but they really love getting to know people and they love building relationships with people. And that's why sales works because they build relationships. If you can't build relationships, you're probably not going to be good in sales. Um, and I, I'm not saying that I was all or, or uh, you know, it, it's not really a, a huge interest from my professionally standpoint. I, I, you know, didn't want to spend my entire career in sales per se. But when I actually worked for Morgan uh, a while ago, um, uh-huh. I, he and I, you know, worked on social selling together. And, and you know, before it was really even a, a topic at SAP, um, widely spread anyway. It was happening in pockets. And, and I, you know, I remember talking to him about how I love to build relationships with people, with the people that I was um, dialing out to and, you know, and talking to. And, and I always felt that if I could make someone laugh, then I could build a relationship with that person instantly uh, because they, they had that emotional connection to, to what I had to say. And they were much more open to listening to what I had to say and I was able to listen to what they were interested in talking about as well. Um, it, was, it became that two-way conversation instead of just that one-way messaging uh, coming from, from SAP. Kirsten, let me ask you a question before I circle back to Morgan. I, I didn't know that you had worked with him. Very interesting. Kirsten, isn't that what's so good about social selling is that when you're in the social media world, when you're looking at different platforms and networks, whether you're tooling around on LinkedIn and searching for somebody or joining a chat group or a, a subject matter group that somebody's in which somebody is a member, or you're looking at Facebook or you're looking at blogs from their company perhaps or from this person as a thought leader expert, you're able to see what their interests are without calling up and saying, hey, Bob, this is Kirsten. I'm sorry, I'm doing a bad imitation, Kirsten. Hey, Bob, this is Kirsten. Uh, what's your favorite baseball team and what kind of tea do you like? You can find all that out. Isn't that the beauty of social selling, Kirsten, is that it's all there for the, the gleaning? I didn't say the taking. It's there for the gleaning. It's there for the information gathering. Isn't that the beauty of social selling and one of the key uh, To my mind, of- listening, it, listening is one of the most key components. It gets very little airplay out in the, you know, the, the social selling world. It's all about, and this is where part of my uh, abstract came from, is it's all about the, the prospecting and and be able to use social networks to find those people. But nobody really talks about what do you do with that information. And it's the listening piece, understanding what are they commenting on, what are they engaging with, so that you can understand what's important to them. That's, um, that's where I really feel that, that the, the social networks are, are hugely um, valuable in that way. It just seems so obvious. Morgan Jones, you started this conversation. Why don't you uh, add to it and finish it, and then we'll go on to something in uh, Jonathan's list. Go ahead, Morgan. 
You, you bet. I think and, you know, Kristen, uh, Kristen touched on a lot of really important things, and so did Jonathan, that I agree wholeheartedly with. And, you know, the one thing I think of is, you know, Bonnie, you're in New York, and you think if you were in Brooklyn and you were walking around and you heard a bunch of chatter and people talking, and it wouldn't mean anything to you because you were in Brooklyn. But put yourself like I was. I just I, we were. My wife and I were just in France, and and uh, and I heard a guy with a Brooklyn accent, right? And I was like, mm-hmm. "Hey, you from the Ark?" And he goes, "Yeah, I go from Pennsylvania. How you doing?" Never would have happened in a million years in if we were in New York, but because we were in a distant place and we were a little different than everybody else, and we connected on that basic level, and we, we his wife and my wife hung out for the rest of the day. We had a great time, and that's what happens on social media. You see that somebody, hey, you worked at SAP, you worked at IBM, you worked at, and so did I, and we have a common background and a common experience, and that that that, that give and take, that both the the sharing and the listening is so important when when you're building relationships out there. Absolutely. Very, very well, well taken. I was just watching on, what was it, CBS Sunday Morning. I can't remember the, uh, Damien, Damien Lewis, the actor, uh, is, is from the UK. And it was funny. They asked him to, to do a line from uh, My Fair Lady, the Rain in Spain is mainly on the plane with his native British accent and then with a New York accent, Morgan. And it was very interesting. He was trying to do the Bronxy version. And you, Morgan, would have known right away if you met this guy is not a actor but just somebody walking around somewhere in Europe and you would have said hey he's from Brooklyn and he could have done that accent just a, a interesting side note there he was saying he has to immerse himself in the culture and the accent of whatever role he's playing and they picked New York as one of the accents of course I would have done it much better but I don't have a New York accent so there thank you Morgan Jonathan Russell you're up next let's talk now I have an interesting very provocative uh, comment here in your notes you say from word of mouth to world of mouth. Jonathan, I've never heard this before. You say this highly connected and social world offers great opportunity to connect and start the journey to building relationship. But the fast and easy ability to broadcast needs to be handled with care. TLC. Jonathan, please tell us more. I think it, I think it very much built on the discussions that we've had that you can find out much about people now, and in the in the I suppose the days gone past, if you had a, a bad experience, you know you'd rant about it, uh, you know at a dinner party, and you didn't right. eight people um, or ten people along those lines. What I can do now, I can take the social media and I can broadcast that to you know potentially millions out there. And again, that's incredibly powerful, but also in my eyes. Incredibly dangerous for companies as well. You've got to be very careful with harnessing this power to, for the right reasons and for the right benefits as well. So it's it's very much that ability to connect is amazing, and it gives you the ability to cross boundaries, cross geographies, and reach these people. But again, you need to do it in the right way. So it's that whole sense of being able to say what I can broadcast in Speaker's Corner here in London to be able to put it out there, sort of across the world. And it's just that whole concept around interconnectivity of the world these days, you know, it's almost the sort of that chaos effect of the, of the beating of the butterfly's wings. You know, one little tweet here can easily go viral. And we can see many positive things around that as well, but also just being careful that we harness it, not to be careful about our own personal brands and also for the mm. brands that we represent as well. 
Very, very interesting. Thank you very much. Kirsten, yes, I do have the correct handle for Jonathan right now. I've been using the wrong one. Forgive me, whoever is the wrong Jay Russell. Got it. Thank you. Kirsten, uh, talk to me. What do you think about the word of mouth to world of mouth? I thought that was great. By the way, Jonathan, did you coin that phrase or is it from someone else? Um, I, I don't think I can claim it. I, I honestly, for the life of me, can't remember where I heard it, but... Um but, but it would be remiss of me to take true ownership of it. Okay, well, I like it anyway. Thank you very much. So, <laughs> Kirsten, ownership or not, what do you think about this world of mouth? I think it's fabulous. I think it's, I've never heard that uh, phrase before, but I, I like it. And it's honestly one of the things that um, when we go out and do training uh, within SAP here, it's one of the things that we get back from, from the end users is, well, what if I screw up? What, what if I say something that I shouldn't and it goes viral? Um, people are concerned about that because their reputation is on their line. It's what makes them, they feel very vulnerable, assuming, you know, sending their, their, their thoughts, their opinions, their, um, their knowledge out into the, the vast world of social media. Um, it's why when we, when we talk about training here at SAP, we're not talking about an hour-long session on, on you know, how do you um, social selling? It truly is behavior management. I actually had this conversation with my team this morning that it's um, because we're struggling with people pushing back and saying, well, you know, I should be able to learn all this in an hour. And, that, and that, that's not the case. <laughs> we're talking about, you know, um, a, a, a set amount of time, a, a much greater than an hour, set amount of time for the training session itself. And then there's follow-up activities and check-ins and that kind of stuff. It really is truly behavior and change management because we're asking them to be vulnerable, to put themselves out there, to really um, set themselves up well. We, we do our best to make sure that they set themselves up well in that world and, uh, you know, have that storefront set up and then, um, you know, listen so that they know what, what's the right thing to be talking about and then engage. Uh, that's how we, we really um, try to set up them, them for success. So I, I absolutely agree that they can, they do have that opportunity to, um, to build the, build the brand uh, for themselves and for the company that they happen to work for. But, it, you know, it can go both ways. It can be, they, it can be very good, and, and, and good takes a lot of time. It's not, you know, you're not going to be an instant sensation by the end of this week. You have to take the time to build that reputation and, and you know, always being putting yourself out there. It, it's, it's kind of an always-on thing, mm-hmm. and, and you really have to, to keep it to making sure that you, you always think before you hit send. <laughs> Um, don't, is this going to um, build my reputation or tear it down? Kirsten, let me ask you a quick question before I circle around to Morgan for this one. Kirsten, do you suggest that anybody in the B2B world or the H2H world, as Brian Kramer so astutely said, do you suggest that they have several different accounts that are very unlike each other? So in other words, it could be uh, Bob Smith personal or the real Bob Smith, and then it could be uh, Bob uh, selling Maven or something like that where there's not an easy way to link them so that Bob could have his personal thoughts on social selling, uh, social media, and then be the social selling professional on the other account. And people can say, you won't believe what Bob said about that movie star yesterday or that politician. I don't want to do business with him. Can you keep them separate, Kirsten? I, I really think that if you're going to to be out there professionally, um, to to be in social media professionally, then you really need to keep your entire professional image clean. 
I think even if you think about, um, like, uh, not so much politicians, but uh, law enforcement, um, those kinds of people, uh, they don't actually use social media at all because they, don't, they have to keep their reputations completely clean, right? So you think about it that way. Um, they, you really need to make sure that if you're going to be out there, you really have to um, be very aware of what's going to alienate people, um, what's going to... Uh, and if they're and alienating people is not necessarily a bad thing if it if it mm. creates discussion and, and um, you know that um, debate, but you do need to make sure that it stays within uh, you know the um, you have to think about the ramifications on your reputation. Thank you very much. I think that's another topic we're going to try and include in this. But for right now, Morgan Jones, let's get your thoughts on the topic that. Jonathan introduced. What do you think? Well, I, I think right here and now on Changing the Game uh, Radio, we should give we should uh, put a stake in the ground and say Jonathan uh, invented that uh, word of mouth to world of mouth <laughs> right here and now, and then we're done. So let's let's uh, it's all yours, Jonathan. I love it. And and, uh, and, and, and as 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 celebrity politicians and and uh, sports stars all well to know. Anything on Twitter is forever, and uh, you know. So, uh, what Kirsten was saying, you know, you really you have to be thoughtful, and and I mean, I use uh, different social media platforms to stay in touch with my children and my grandchildren mm-hmm. and my you know friends that I grew up with and things like that. Uh, but when I put on my professional hat and use the more professional type of uh, yes. uh, platforms, I am always thoughtful. And, and whenever I'm in doubt, I always you know, send it to my wife first and say, am I going to get fired for saying this? And then she'll <laughs> say, yeah, probably, and then I delete it. And, uh, <laughs> it has saved me a lot, of, a lot of aggravation over the years. So, uh, oh, that's but, funny. But uh, the, 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 uh, the, the, I think the thing is, is that if you're relevant, and you have a point of view, and it doesn't have to be mainstream. I think it's okay to to you know um, uh, you know put put your ideas out there, and um, and it, it can be thought provoking. Sometimes I know I've read some blogs where I'm like, well, what in the heck is this woman talking about? She's I had nothing to do with reality. And then you know after I think about it a while, I'm like, you know what? Maybe that is a different way to look at things. And, and, uh, and it's changed my point of view. It's changed my mind. And, and, uh, so I think done respectfully and done with, mm-hmm. within, you know, the normal constructs of, of a professional, uh, environment, I think you can, you can, you can put things out there. Well, I'm going to put something out there right now. I have been Googling world of mouth. And I came up with World of Mouth Marketing official site, and it goes to Amazon Books, and I cannot find any single book, any books that use the title World of Mouth. So I think we're going to do, Kirsten, I hope you're ready for this. We're going to do an official acclamation to Jonathan Russell at SAP. Jonathan, I think it's yours, kid. I think you own it. It, I I don't know what this World of Mouth marketing official site is, but I can't find anything to go with it. It's word of mouth, word of mouth. Millions. I've just gone through millions and millions of search results. You know, of course, I'm telling the truth. So um, Jonathan, it's yours. So Jonathan, now that we've given you this massive 
massive attribution and, and you're obviously <laughs> feeling so lofty and you're ready to build a gazillion new relationships based on your newfound, newfound fame here uh, as a, a tremendous thought leader. What do you want to say to what Kirsten and, and our friend Morgan just added to your topic? Go ahead, Jonathan. I think Morgan touched on it very carefully, and it is, you know, when you look at the, the, the sports stars out there, and I think, you know, the recent suicide, I'm not going to get involved in politics, um, but the U.S. sort of, in the recent sort of presentation elections, you know, it is that sense of being very careful with it, incredibly powerful, but please, please be aware of the dangers of tweeting, shall we say, late at night. <laughs> that also comes under the category of very early in the morning, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, well, you know, throwing caution to the wind and all that good stuff. We'll just let that one sit on the table. Thank you so much, and congratulations, Jonathan. Your your uh, your creds in the world have just gone through the roof. World of mouth marketing, I love that. Kirsten, I'm looking at your notes here, and let's see what we've got. Um, interesting, interesting. Let's talk about prospecting. You say many salespeople are using so Social selling tools to prospect and having great results, great success. But in your opinion, social selling is much more than prospecting. So, Kirsten, let's tie this up to the opening of the show, which was that it's just not about building relationships, but converting prospects to sales and building loyal, ongoing, long-term business relationships. So how do you see it? You want to start with the prospecting tool, and then how do you turn that into building that goal? Yeah, it's something that I've been running up against in um, both externally and internally here, and, and it's the the idea that yes, social selling is fantastic to to find the right people to talk to. I can use LinkedIn Sales Navigator. I hope it don't nobody minds. I share that. I don't think it's news that anybody's using LinkedIn Sales Navigator to to do that social prospecting. But to my mind, that's that's. Uh, it kind of limits the, the absolute power of LinkedIn Sales Navigator, and it's not social selling. That's social prospecting. Um, when you use the other um, aspects of LinkedIn Sales Navigator to listen, to engage, to uh, and, and you know other thing, other tools and other platforms like Zing or Twitter or um, in uh, China, I believe they use WeChat. Uh, or it could be Facebook. Um, there's, there's areas of, of the world that use Facebook. If you use those mm-hmm. tools to really engage uh, and create a good customer experience based on what you learn through those platforms, you are, um, you are, that becomes social selling. It's not just about finding those people and, and that be, that's the end of the social media that you use. It's when you infuse social throughout the journey, um, uh, the, the, the buyer's journey and, and help them, you know, whether it's sharing great content at the right time or engaging with something that they've shared and having a conversation on social, um, those kinds of things all help to, to uh, generate a great customer experience, which ultimately leads to uh, that end of, the, end of the line sale. And hopefully beyond that, that that relationship continues to be maintained uh, especially in this cloud world, you know, cloud, it's all about cloud. When it comes to cloud, it's about subscriptions. It's not about that on-premise once in, you know, once every four-year sale. It becomes a, a much shorter cycle. And so you have to maintain that relationship. And you, what a great way to utilize social to maintain that relationship, to keep the conversation going and to keep the relationship building. 
Thank you very much, Kirsten. Very good information. Morgan Jones, let's get your POV on what Kirsten just added. Just prospecting or how deep into that conversion process and long-term loyalty building can you go with social selling? What are your, your observations? You know, I, I, I think, you know, she hit it on the head, uh, as always. Uh, she, she was uh, uh, right on with, and especially the point of, I mean, when we all got our first uh, taste of LinkedIn Navigator and, and we, you know, sent our first in-mail and it was new and it was exciting and people responded because they had tired of getting a million emails a day and, and it was a new way to interact and we were sharing ideas uh, it was about prospecting. It was about customer acquisition and, and getting the conversation going. But as we've transitioned into this cloud world, you know, social media and the use of it in the relationship building is starting to grow up with it, right? So as, you know, Kirsten said, cloud, very, very, the, the big thing about cloud is there's a very low cost to entry because you don't have to buy all the hardware and, mm-hmm. and add extra room into your buildings and things like that. It becomes a much easier uh, purchase and entry price. But the downside to that is it's much easier to get rid of it too. All you do is stop paying mm-hmm. your bill and it gets turned off, right? So, uh, and you can go to somebody else. You could switch. So having that ongoing conversation and not just a week before they're ready to renew, right, but ongoing and and putting relevant content and and keeping the dialogue going is absolutely uh, so important to the people in business today that uh, the ones that are doing it right are going to continue to grow their business, right? And with cloud, the, the other piece of that is is that typically people get entry into, especially the enterprise space, into a departmental level with the idea, hey, we'll get a foothold here and we'll grow across the enterprise as we go. Well, if you don't stay in touch and continue to build your network and leverage those relationships across all those, you're going to miss out on a huge opportunity. Indeed. Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much. And Jonathan, let's circle back to you. Thoughts on what your co-panelists just said. What do you think? In agreement with a lot of it, and I think it really is that, you know, if you just look at social selling as LinkedIn Navigator, which I think some people, in my opinion, wrongly do, then it is almost that just a door-opening demand generation tool. But in, in my opinion, you know, if you look at social selling as more of a term that refers to sort of selling in this sort of social, sort of digitally connected world, then it's the opportunity to a multitude of different platforms to sort of work with a customer through the entire sort of sales process. I, mean, I don't want to get hung up on the semantics and the definition of what social is, but I believe it's more viewed as a sort of change in sort of culturally how we engage. And that's what it's all about. It's about engagement and it's about driving that. I think for me, one of the things which concerns me at times with social selling is that it's a really great digital experience to start with. It's LinkedIn, it's Twitter. And then as soon as that engagement happens with a customer, we drop back to the sort of the good old days. And then next thing you know, it's, you know, a PowerPoint emailed across with a couple of links to YouTube. And it's just like, whoa, where did this trust go? And where did this amazing digital experience you were providing me as when you were selling to me disappear to? But I think, again, it's all about remaining consistent, and that's, that's about taking social selling right the way through the entire sort of sales journey. And absolutely, to Morgan and Kirsten's point, and beyond as well. Now, most of the solutions we're selling are service-based or cloud-based, and it's about having that continuous, ongoing relationship. And so it's about keeping that engagement and that sort of customer experience right at the forefront and the cutting edge all of the time, not just till they put ink on a bit of paper. 
Thank you very much, Jonathan. I'm looking at the clock. We have about four minutes until we go to our crystal ball predictions round, and I want to push this conversation before we do predictions a little bit into the future, which is already here. I'm talking about bots. I'm talking about machine learning. I'm talking about AI. I'm talking about chat bots that do a selling pitch on the phone. I want to share a quick anecdote with the three of you and then get a quick comment from all of you. There is a bot, at least one out there, that calls and pretends that she is a, a real girl who's the, the word in New York, Morgan, is verklempt. She's a little bit klutzy. And here's how it goes. I get this call two or three times a week. Haven't figured out how to block the, the line yet. Just, oh, hi. Oh, hi. Ah, ah, oh, hi. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm having a problem with my headset. Hi, this is Peggy Sue. Oh, I just wanted to talk to you. And then she, I swear to God, this is exactly, not Peggy Sue. I forget her name, whatever name she used. And I fell for it the first two times and I'm saying, Oh, this must be a selling call. But she sounds so sweet and so cute and so real. And I'll say, Peggy Sue, and she's going, bah, 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 and she never stops talking. It's a bot. It's a bot. They have tried to make the bot sound real. So let me go around the table and get a response to this in terms of uh, this is phone calling, obviously cold calling, but it certainly is something that somebody somewhere thinks will be successful in getting people to listen. Of course, it's B2C. Um, let me just go quickly to Morgan Jones. Any comments on a bot like this? Is she giving selling a bad name? Uh, she wonderful? <laughs> snake oil salesmen have been around for a long, long time, and uh, they'll always find an easy mark. And there you go. I just hear the, oh, 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 my headset, and I hang up automatically now, but I will find, it's on my landline that she, I know I still have a landline. Talk about a dinosaur. Uh, let's go to Jonathan Russell. Have you received a call like that, or what do you think about um, bots for, for calling, for cold calling? What do you think? I, I'm not. She's not made it across um, this side of the pond, um, which <laughs> I now know what to listen out for, so I can be, again, ahead of the curve. <laughs> I, I think that in a cold calling perspective, the use of bots, I think is, is you know, I think Morgan phrased it very nicely with regards to the snake oil salesman or saleswoman in this case. There you but go. But I do think there is a place for sort of bots, machine learning, artificial intelligence, depending on how you want to sort of phrase it to actually, from the B2B sales world, take away a lot of the mundane admin tasks um, that can be sort of fed into, sort of allow the salesman or saleswoman to actually use their time more effectively. So I think there's an opportunity to use bots in that sense. And also with regard to sort of prediction and forecasting as well, looking at all the different patterns that are available. And that's all bot technology as well. So I think there's an enormous opportunity there rather than, as you said, the snake oil salesperson just dreaming up something, which again is effectively no more than just sort of you know, an IVR sort of dialect calling out to everybody. There you go. Kirsten, let's get your point of view on this. I was just chatting with Kirsten. Believe it or not, we're doing so many multitasks here. And she said this ties in with her topic for this series in March. Woohoo! Kirsten, thoughts on this Peggy Sue, whatever her name is. What do you think? You ever heard from her? <laughs> I I haven't received a call like that. At least I don't think so. Um, we tone we tend not to to pick up. I do have a landline too. You're not a dinosaur. <laughs> oh, thank you <laughs> we very have a landline much. Too. Um, and uh, I haven't heard it myself. I think you know the, the next topic for March is about artificial intelligence and social selling, and uh, I'm really interested to hear what kind of people who are more expert than I am in that topic uh, have to say about this. But for my just kind of first blush um, interpretation of what that might mean, I think that's AI done badly, to my mind. Um, mm. I, I, you know, I just, it, 
it doesn't, it doesn't, yes, you might feel, fool me the first time, you know, fool me once, uh, shame yep. on me, fool me twice, uh, shame on you. Um, right. Why would, why would anybody trust that, that company, that person who has put uh, a bot in to fool you in picking, to, into picking up the phone? You know, why, why should, why should I build that trust with that company? Now, it's just kind of my, my first kind of thoughts around that. It, it, you know, we're talking about that human-to-human connection. That's why relationships are built, why it's so important um, for, for that larger, you know, professional sales um, reputation. Having something like that does not engender trust, to my mind. There you go. And let's trusting. I'm going to trust that the three of you can keep your predictions to one minute apiece because that's all I have to give out. We're going to allocate around the table. First, Morgan Jones, then Jonathan Russell, then Kirsten Boylow. So, Morgan, look into the crystal ball. Tell the Verde. I'd love you to look at 2020 if you can look out that far and tell me in one minute, 60 seconds or less, what will be different about this conversation if we met again to continue for part two, B2B buyer's journey and social media relationships. Morgan Jones, predictions. Go. Virtual reality and 3D printing will become part of the social selling experience. I seed my time, mm. man from London. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Repeat that one more time. I want to make sure I tweet that. So you predict that. Go ahead. Virtual, virtual reality. And and 3D printing will become part of the of social of the social environment. How will 3D printing become part of that? I'm hearing social. I'm thinking online. How will 3D printing impact that? Well, I think it. I think it will. It'll impact it by people will actually, you know, the customization piece of being able to go into a, a virtual reality and then actually hitting a button and printing what you're seeing in 3D right through. And it's part e-commerce. It's part social selling. And that was one of our topics we didn't get to. Is I think it's going to become a a, a, a transactional way to do business. No more waiting for the drone from Amazon to come and drop off your, uh, uh, that will be so 2018 or 2019. <laughs> you got to stop being the showstopper. This, Morgan, this is really, you know, we love a sense of humor, but really you're taking over the show. Morgan Jones, you're terrific. Jonathan Russell, I can, I can cede an extra 60 seconds, 45 seconds to you. Mr. Russell in London, go ahead. Predictions, please. I mean, um, I think it really builds on almost just the previous topic that I do think you know, artificial intelligence and the machine learning side of things will really drive things forward. And I think hopefully, and looking into my sort of crystal ball, it's for the good and not for the bad, as in with Peggy Sue, as in automating the mundane tasks and, uh, and freeing up time for people to be able to make those real connections and really build that level of trust. And again, I think that also ties absolutely back into Morgan's comments around virtuality and 3D printing as well. It's supposed to be able to do the really special things that really differentiate you in the eyes of the customer and actually let's automate all the mundane stuff um, that can be taken out there. Thank you very much, Kirsten Boylow. I saved exactly 60 seconds for you. Go get them. <laughs> well, I really like the idea that virtual reality will become part of the sales process. I, I think, and 3D printing, that's, that's really cool. I think that that could be, I can see how, you know, you're in a meeting with a customer and you, and you, you know, they, they, they decide that they want 
something done in a specific way and you can do, you know, create a prototype for them right then and there that they can, um, you know, through virtual reality, pick up and look around. That That's pretty cool. I don't know that if I have anything to top that. <laughs> okay. All right. We have a consensus. We have a violent agreement on the future of social selling for 2020. Morgan Jones at Televerde, thank you so much. Televerde Europe, thank you so much. The thank, Scotsman thank without the glass. Me, the Scotsman without the Glaswegian accent. I appreciate that, Glaswegian. Jonathan Russell, such a pleasure to meet you. And Kirsten, always great. Kirsten, what's coming up on your March show? Did we say that already quickly? Who is coming up, did you say? what? What's the topic for your March, oh, March the, episode? The topic is, well, the, the working title is Artificial Intelligence and Social Selling. There we go. And some people would say poor salespeople have artificial intelligence. I'm just going to leave it there. So <laughs> sorry, I couldn't resist that, kids. I want to do a shout out to Kevin, our engineer extraordinaire today at World Talk Radio, the business channel. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Been such a pleasure having such a lively and insightful conversation here about B2B buyer's journey and social selling, social media relationships. Hope you all learned something. I'll be back in an hour with Smart Cities Changing the Game. Uh, and we will have another conversation about public-private partnerships to raise funds for municipal services. If that's a jumble and a garble to you, tune in and find out what it really means. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Morgan, just like Jonathan, just like Kirsten. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Social Selling, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.